morning and welcome in to Bet the Edge. It's Tuesday, June 1st, and thank you to those of you watching on our brand new NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Matt Bernier, he's going to join us and we'll get his thoughts on the Canes Lightning Game 2 tonight, plus horses to monitor at the Belmont this week. Kyle Dorpchak, get your NFL season award bets in now before they lose value, who he likes for MVP plus defensive player of the year. And don't forget, we always finish the show with edge of the day. All that and more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Sarah and I appreciate you tuning into the pod. If you are new to this podcast, we provide actionable information across the entire sports betting landscape all in about 25 minutes every single weekday. The best way to get this information every day is to subscribe to the pod. If you've been winning along with us these last several weeks, by all means, please rate this pod so that more people can find and listen to us. And best of luck with your wagers. You can also find us on Twitter. Let us know what you think we should talk about. Any other markets we're not diving into, although we've been covering a ton, including the French Open, hockey, horses, you name it. But just in case there's something we're missing and you want to let us know about it, you can find Drew at whale underscore capper. I'm, of course, at Sarah Perlman on Twitter. And as always, we begin this show with looking at some line movement. And, and right now it's a little bit tricky because there's a lot of injuries in the NBA. And I'm not talking about, you know, six-man injuries. We're talking about some star players dealing with quite a few issues right now. So let's start with the Lakers game. And Anthony Davis, of course, he's not playing with a groin strain. You look across the board, I know Luka Doncic is having um, a, a neck injury, a strain there. We saw Joel Embiid go out for the rest of the game yesterday, of course, with a knee injury. So it, it leads me to ask you for people that do follow your plays and try to understand your process, Drew, how tricky is it and how ultimately do you handicap these games with injuries like such? Yeah, these are really tough because, as you mentioned, these are big deal injuries. Anthony Davis, probably the, the most important because on a dime, you saw the Lakers flip from Western Conference title favorites to series underdogs. Um, and that is because of the way the Lakers have constructed this roster. It's a stars and scrub unit. Uh, you look at the current price for tonight's game as Suns minus five. That is telling you everything you need to know. Anthony Davis is not going to play. Now, typically what the bookmakers will do if there's a 50 true 50-50 proposition for a player as important as Anthony Davis, they'll kind of put a number that reflects, yeah, it could be here, it could be it could be Lakers pick them, it could right. be Suns minus 5, we'll make it Suns minus 2 and a half and we'll let the market decide which way. Um, however, the fact that they are willing to go as far as Suns minus 5 and a half I think tells you um, more you know more than you're going to get from any of the media, any of the doctors, any of the the coaches for the Lakers that Anthony Davis will not be out there tonight. Now, a groin injury didn't look it looked somewhat serious but not uh, something that I'm truly sweating over if I'm Lakers uh, here and I think I'm probably expecting him to be back for game 6 and if you know, if, if they if they win tonight, that is gravy. They can maybe even, you know, rest Anthony Davis and, you know, wait, see if they can get game six uh, and then save Dan Anthony Davis for the second round. Um, however, if, if they lose tonight, he'll probably be forced to go out there in game six and he'll be in some sort of limited state. Um, <laughs> I know there's a risk of re-injury uh, if you put him out there too soon. But if it's an elimination game, who cares? Um, and then, you know, at, across some of these other injuries, we still don't know if Chris Paul's Per, you know, is perfectly healthy. He obviously looked better in game four than he looked in game two and game three. Um, mm -hmm. But he is, I don't know that he is capable of going 40 minutes yet. And then the Joel Embiid injury, that one looked somewhat 
concerning, I have to say. We saw a similar injury with him not long after the All-Star game. He ended up missing a couple of weeks of action. He took him a little bit. It takes him a little bit of time to get back up to 100% once he does come back. Uh, And so I think Philadelphia's odds not to win the series, I think ultimately they'll get through in game five, but their odds to win the Eastern Conference take a major hit if he is not 100%. And PointsBet did just let us know quite a few minutes ago, they're waiting on the results for Joel Embiid's MRI before they even post a price for both game five and the series prices, because he's such a big part, of course, of that team and that starting lineup. Luca's injury, it's kind of seeming that it's not as severe. He will probably play in game five and the line will, will show that. But as far as tonight goes, you take all of that into consideration, in particular in this Lakers-Suns game. You said it, the line pretty much shows Anthony Davis is a no-go for tonight's matchup. Suns laying five. I'm assuming you have a play on this one, side or total Dealing with this injury, whatever. I think at this one, you at this point, you just take the Lakers series price at plus one forty-five, plus one fifty, whatever you can find, best price available for Lakers series. Uh, cross your fingers that you have a positive shooting night from some of the role players. We have yet to see guys like Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell Pope. They have not shot the ball well in this series. If they have a positive shooting night, uh, the Lakers can win without Anthony Davis. Um, and I think that, you know, you're right at this point playing plus five, you know, or, you know, Play, laying the five is is uh, seems like a fool's errand, in my opinion. I, I don't know who is out there really uh, willing to lay five points with this Phoenix Suns team against LeBron in this type of a s- situation. But uh, uh, if you are interested in betting the Suns, I would wait until LeBron comes off of the floor uh, in the first, you know, at, at, at the first break. Uh, and uh, at that point, you're probably going to get a better price than minus five because I can see the Lakers coming out with a little bit of spirit, a little bit of fire early. Uh, and then once they go to Maybe the bench. Maybe live at it. Yeah, yeah. bench. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good way to attack that game for many reasons to stay away for me. But if I did, I'd probably take your advice and live bet that. Curious to get your thoughts before we get into the NFL and the NBA game that I'm looking at. Just a little line movement that I've seen. And right now you can get the Celtics and the Nets at 231 and a half. I'm leaning over here and I think we've seen a little bit of action so far on the over it's similar to yesterday the way i attacked the grizzlies and jazz game drew where i liked the over i think the books are a little bit behind if you take game one out of that where brooklyn's defense really showed up you could make an argument they've kind of returned to norm over their last three games all of those flew over the over uh over the total excuse me and i do think it's a similar situation here i like the net so i think rightfully i do sort of like the over but i look at boston who scored 121 points without walker and williams on sunday i think they're returning and i kind of like the series to wrap up and i look at the brooklyn defense all season i think they ranked like 23rd in their defensive rating i think we're just going to see that today. I think they're fine kind of playing in a game in this situation where they could wrap it up, show their offense, not worry about defense and kind of get some rest leading into the next series. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this continues to climb Uh 234, 234 and a half is probably where this closes. 84% of total bets, 72% of the total handle on the over for tonight's Brooklyn Nets and Boston Celtics game. Okay, we're going to transition just a little bit here and talk some NFL. It's been a few days. We got to get back on the horse here and not forget what's coming up in just a few months. I know we're all looking forward to that. So let's bring in Kyle Dorfchak to talk first and foremost NFL awards because this is the best time to bet them. You can get a lot of good value 
good numbers on the board. And I do want to start, Kyle, with the NFL MVP for this upcoming season. Now, quarterbacks have won the MVP award every year since 2013. We look back to last year, Aaron Rodgers won. His opening odds were 23 to 1. So surely it's the time to look. Do you want to get some good value and a good number? So I'll leave it to you when you look at the MVP award, and I will probably guess as a quarterback in this situation, who kind of stands out? Yeah, there's this cluster of players at plus 1600. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, if I'm counting it right. And uh, I get I, I get that a lot of them deserve to be in that range. Tom Brady is a tier above basically all of these guys. When you compare, like, it's it's Tom freaking Brady. I don't think people realize like how good he was last year in an offseason that he was joining like a, a non-existent offseason where he joined an offense that was unlike anything he's played for in like a decade or more like Bruce Arians offense is actually like downfield exciting pass heavy like they were one of the most pass heavy teams when you adjust for their positive game script in the entire league and his receivers are who's who of these like age adjusted phenoms Mike Evans with I believe what seven straight a thousand yard seasons to begin his career the most ever Antonio Brown the best receiver of the 2010s like he has an all-star cast of weapons he's got a coach who actually wants to use him in an exciting pass heavy aggressive way like how does he have the same odds as Stafford or like Russell Wilson? <laughs> Russell Wilson's team wants to play football like it's the 1950s. I just don't get it. So for me, Tom Brady is like probably should be in that Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen tier. I'd take him over all of the guys at plus 16. And I think he's the best MVP bet you can find right now. Kyle, you're making a lot of sense. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, Tom Brady, not only in the weaker conference. Uh, the NFC got worse this offseason. Uh, they have an easy schedule. Uh, they don't have to play anywhere close to as difficult a team as some of these. You know, Matthew Stafford's schedule in the Rams schedule is brutal compared to what Tom Brady and the Bucks have to do. Uh, and yeah, coming off that Super Bowl win, um, you know, Bucks go eight no or something out of the gate. Uh, you know, that that 16 to one is gonna look like two to one or something crazy like that. So yeah, only only one direction that those odds are moving and it's down. So I completely agree with that. Um, and I, there is another market, however, where I have eyes for one player. And this position has been growing as I see more and more uh, books start to hang these numbers. Uh, and I wonder if you have an alternative take or if you're going to throw more fuel on this fire for me. I'm looking at the defensive player of the year market and I see Miles Garrett at plus 650. And I'm scratching my head because he's the best defensive player not named Aaron Donald by a long shot. And he's all of a sudden on a defense that's going to be meaningfully better considering what they added in the offseason. Uh, and he's going to be able to compile statistics. He's going to be able to do this down, you know, counting stats from sacks and pass rush, et cetera. Um, are you with me on the uh, Miles Garrett Defensive Player of the Year award market? Or do you think that there's a, a better choice to, to consider here? I think that's an efficient price. I, I think he definitely deserves to be outside of Aaron Donald, who like it's just become the inaugural Aaron Donald award because he is just so good at what he does, where I think Miles Garrett deserves to be number two at, you know, plus 650. I think those are fair odds. I think you can get, I'm going to say a similarly talented player in Chase Young at plus 2000 on a defense that is probably similarly as good with players where you can't just play, you know, triple team Miles Garrett, triple team <laughs> Chase Young. I think they're both built in similar ways in terms of the defenses, how they're going to set up both Chase Young and Miles Garrett to rack up like, you know, 15 sacks, maybe even 20 at the ceiling. So I just think you get a similarly talented player on a similar situation at plus 2000. So I think I like those odds better, but yeah, I think it's probably miles Garrett as number two. And I just think chase young 
has a strong argument to be like in that three, four, five range with these plus 700, 1200 guys, given how massively talented it is. Like he was good his first year. He was a top, he was the number two pick and he was just an undoubted like smash prospect like Miles Garrett coming out of college. So for me, I think you can get a similar bet to Miles Garrett at longer odds, but I do think Miles Garrett deserves to be where he is. So I agree with that general sentiment. Well, at the end of the day, points bet will be rooting in probably most books against these two. Miles Garrett leads the bet <laughs> count there, followed by Chase Young. So in terms of liability, Chase Young is the biggest liability for defensive uh, player of the year, strictly because of his price. Obviously, it's 20 to 1 versus plus 650. So they're going to be rooting against both of those guys. But I'm with you. I love Miles Garrett at plus 650. Um, it's hard to take Aaron Donald. He's won three out of the last four seasons. We need a little bit change i think it's voter voter fatigue yes exactly get him out of there i'm with i'm with you i love miles garrett plus 650. the last one we need to touch on is comeback player of the year and Dak prescott is such a short favorite if you're betting this i'm going to beg you not to at plus 150 (laughs) unless you're Dak's biggest fan because i think you could find a lot of value on the board i'm just looking a little bit very quickly christian mccaffrey is someone i've talked about at seven to one that stands out to me but kyle you are the professional better in handicapping these mvp awards so i leave it up to you of comeback player of the year what offers the most value right now yeah i like that uh that the opposite of a call the the fade on Dak, just because yeah plus 150 like at that point just like go bet his like you're expecting him to come back to exactly what he was last year if that's the case he was on pace for like six thousand passing hours just go bet his mvp odds if you want him to get comeback player of the year i think the better values are like you said they're going to be close to like maybe these saquon barkley christian mccaffrey's i actually think are both reasonable bets I really do think, though, and we talked about Baker Mayfield before the show, uh, not Baker Mayfield, but Odell Beckham, his number one receiver. We just know that, I mean, it's, it's been a while. It does feel like it's been a while since we've seen peak Odell Beckham. But we know that if he can get healthy, which he's hardly been at all with the Browns, that he has a, a top three talent-wise receiver outcome, you know, at the, the highest range of his outcomes. And I think his quarterback is good, not great, but good enough. And I think the offensive scheme is really like perfect for Baker Mayfield, where it sets him up with a lot of, of kind of gimmies, you know, lots of play action, lots of easy routes to hit. And you just want to get Odo Beckham the ball as much as possible, as often as possible. So I think it's very reasonable that we see something where they look like the, the Vikings last year or even the Titans, where sure, they don't pass as much as maybe you would want if you have Odell Beckham tickets, but they do it so efficiently and he controls so much of that passing attack that he really looks like a good bet at plus 3,000. I think, you know, the players above him deserve to be ahead of him because it's not the most exciting offense. I get it. Baker's not, you know, an upper echelon quarterback, but he just has such a high ceiling as a talent. And these odds are so long that I think he's probably the best value in my opinion. I love this. If I were to ask both of you, and I hope that you didn't see a note that we got from PointsBet right now, the biggest liability for comeback player of the year. It's a player that has been bet quite a lot. They'll be rooting against him. I was a little surprised when I saw this. I'd like both of your best guesses very quickly. Hmm. Sam Darnold. Joe Burrow. No, and I'm very surprised. It's Carson Wentz right now. 10 to 1. That was my reaction. What? All right. I think they'll be okay there. I think I think they should be okay at the end of the day, but I guess we'll we'll revisit next year and see how that turned out. <laughs> Listen, Kyle, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. You could find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. Check out all of his other NFL content available on NBCSportsEdge.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.
from NFL awards. And let me tell you, I'm thrown by the Carson Wentz one at 10 to one having liability. We're going to talk some NHL playoffs and even the Belmont. So for that, of course, we bring in none other than our very own Matt Bernier. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time today. There's a game that stands out tonight that I'm looking to get action in. So Tampa Bay Lightning, the Carolina Hurricanes. And right now the prices are a little bit even. I do see Carolina's now moved to a stronger favorite, minus 121, a heavier favorite rather. Lightning won the first game two to one on Sunday. The under, of course, came home in that one. So for tonight, knowing that the under was a very defensive and amazing game, how do you attack this one? You know, I, I think we all as handicappers, we want to come up with these brilliant opinions and say, oh, this is why one team is going to win or one team is going to lose. And maybe somebody's vulnerable in a series <laughs> like this with two teams that are so evenly matched. They split their season series for a piece. That game on Sunday afternoon really boiled down to a weak goal from Alex Nedeljkovic and net for Carolina that put Tampa over the top. I, for me, it just boils down to taking the number in here. I think Tampa at plus 100 is the play tonight because I think you're just talking about the slimmest of margins between these two teams. And I think it's just sort of a, an overall attitude when you're talking about betting and, and gambling on sports in particular. Maybe I've just sort of adopted this from the horse racing aspect of things. You got to take probability into account. And given that these teams are so evenly matched, I want to take the team that has the better price. And in this case, despite being on the road, and yes, the, the home team has seemed to fare a little bit better in the grand scheme of things. Carolina was 3-1 and one at home this year against Tampa. I still feel like it's one of those instances where you take the better number, and that's Tampa tonight. Before moving off of this, I, I just have a real quick question. The um, preseason odds would have told you that Tampa was the better team. Uh, however, they were injured. They really it took them a while to kind of find their form, and it felt like they absolutely found it in that Panthers series. Um, is there any point in kind of going back to sort of a preseason prior and looking at the you know looking at that for guidance to help uh, support a Tampa position here? Because at full strength, maybe they are better than the Hurricanes. Yeah, I think top to bottom, they, they are the better team, and I think there's a case to be made that they're one of the top three or four teams in the NHL. And not to sort of disparage Carolina or say that they're a little bit less than, but Tampa has that championship pedigree. I mean, the Stanley Cup champions from last year, and this is a team that's a veteran group. And to your point, Drew, they were a little bit banged up throughout the regular season. I brought up a couple of weeks ago, you know, Nikita Kucherov coming back and really providing that spark that this veteran team needed to kind of get back to their winning ways. I think that's the difference maker. So to your point, they look like a likely sort of championship contender coming into the season. And I think they're starting to play like a likely championship contender here in the postseason. Not as much as I love talking not only about Stanley Cup playoffs with you, but my favorite, of course, is horse racing. And we have the Belmont Stakes coming up. And I think when we all look back to Preakness, we kind of just wanted to get through Preakness so we can finally <laughs> arrive at Belmont Stakes. And we are here, of course. It will be Saturday at 5 p.m. on NBC. And Drew brought up some good points to me earlier. We were talking a little bit about essential quality of favorite. Could be the favorite uh, by the time this race, of course, begins on Saturday. And Drew kind of told me this, and I thought it was an interesting point. I'd love to get your take that Brad Cox did not bring Mandaloon, so it almost seems like he has so much confidence in essential quality. Your thoughts on if he should be the favorite and how much confidence you have in essential quality to get it done? He should be the favorite in this spot. And, you know, you bring up that Mandaloon isn't here. An interesting thing from Brad Cox, when he first saw essential quality work in the mornings, he said, that's my Belmont Stakes horse. That horse will win the Belmont as a three-year-old. And here we are. He's a two-to-one morning line favorite after they've drawn the race just about 10 minutes ago. Um, I think he deserves to be the favorite. I think the case can be made. He ran the best race in the Kentucky Derby, given the amount of ground loss 
he had to deal with and the fact that nobody was really making up a great deal of ground. Having said that, although there were only eight horses in this race on Saturday, you can make a case for five of them. I think the, the margin, you know, we just talked about it with Tampa and Carolina being so slim. Essential quality to, let's say, the fifth choice in here and known agenda at six to one on the morning line. Those two with the three ho- other horses between them, I think you kind of throw it up. You run this race 100 times, you're going to get probably pretty darn close to 90 different results. I think it's just one of those things where you got to shop around and take value into account and say, yes, essential quality is probably the most likely winner, but is he a good bet on Saturday at two to one or somewhere thereabout? Um, I don't know if I really believe that. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, it, it, this, this, the whole Belmont stakes field has like a, um, you know, a Kentucky Derby, like ghosts, you know, like we're going to, we're going to uh, actually run the race that was supposed to be run in Kentucky, right? Uh, essential quality, of course, in that race had a, miserable trip uh if he has a cleaner trip or the race is a little longer he probably wins uh similarly i felt like uh, rock your world got just he got brutalized out of the gate never really had a chance to run his race and now he's the speed horse really i guess you could say he and uh maybe hot rod charlie probably take the lead here um rock your world's now coming out of the seven gate in an eight horse field uh less likely to have any kind of trouble getting on the lead um do you think with sort of the slower fractions with the you know the longer race here um you know a, a horse like rock your world could go wire to wire Absolutely. I mean, he keep in mind when we talked about the wagering for the Kentucky Derby, if not for Mattress Mac, who bet a million and a half or two million dollars on essential quality, <laughs> right. you know, Rock Your World may have actually been the favorite when the race was run. So I, I think this is a horse to your point, Drew. He has speed. He has a pedigree for a mile and a half. He really had no chance to run his race in the Derby after being bounced out of the gate as badly as he was. And in a race where I think running style is critical, I think many people, especially the folks that just pay attention a few days out of the year, they assume that horses who are closers in a race like the Derby, well, at a mile and a half, you know, they have an extra quarter mile to work with. That's going to work to their favor. When in reality, history would tell us that horses who are closer to the front throughout actually have a better chance of winning. Doesn't mean the horses from the back don't have any chance, but their work is just a lot more difficult because the horses on the front are going to be going slower because they're trying to save something for that stretch run. A horse like Rock Your World, he ticks a lot of boxes. And again, if you like essential quality, I think there's a part of you that has to look at it from a value standpoint and say, I can get two, two and a half times the price on a horse who may be of of equal caliber, and he may have a tactical advantage on him. Why would I not go that way? Look, horse racing is all about value. You got to put your sort of ego aside and say, look, I like this horse. I'm going to pick them to win. But at the same time, from a gambling standpoint, it may not be the smart move. So I, I think Rock Your World is a very live contender on Saturday. Matt, I have a two-part question for you here because I'm looking at Rombauer, and that's the horse that, of course, won at Preakness, closed at 12-1, to 1, and now he's not really necessarily the horse to beat. We're more talking about essential quality and Rock Your World. So, one, why is Rombauer kind of being slept on in this race? I know he's still a co-favorite, but we're not talking about him as much in the media, and we're looking to bet. And two, if it's not Rombauer, who will be a long-shot horse? I'm looking at someone like 12-1 to 1, as he finished for Preakness that I should probably try to mix in a little bit throughout my card on Saturday. Well, I think the biggest thing about the Preakness, Sarah, is the field wasn't quite as good as this field and the mm-hmm. Belmont's going to be. And I think that's one of the things that maybe some folks will have some reservations about with Ron Bauer. Can he run that well against better horses? Yes, it's a shorter field in that there are only going to be seven competitors going against him. But from a top to bottom standpoint, the class of this field is much better than what we saw mm-hmm. in Baltimore just a few weeks ago. 
And from a speed figure standpoint, he ran so far and away the best race of his career in Baltimore. There's a sort of theory in horse racing that we call the bounce. And did you run so well that it's going to take something out of you and maybe we actually get a regression from that big effort as opposed to a forward move? That's in the eye of the beholder. It depends what you think of the horse overall. From a price standpoint, you're not going to get close to that 12 to 1. And really, I kind of, I'm looking at this field right now. There are three horses who look very, very difficult to make cases for. Bourbonic, France Godina, Overtook. That leaves you with five horses that you get to decide who you think is going to offer the best value. If you told me the morning line was going to hold, I would take known agenda every day of the week. I'm still probably <laughs> going to pick him. But I, I think, you know, and I know, Drew, you liked him before that one post draw in the Kentucky yeah. Derby. This is a much more favorable position for this horse to be in on Saturday. And he most recently worked with a nice older horse called Dr. Post, who's also trained by Todd Pletcher. He might be a favorite in one of the big races before the Belmont on Saturday in the Met Mile. Again, I don't know if he's going to stay at six. I could see him landing in that sort of four to one, nine to two range when all is said and done. But known agenda to me is a very live and logical contender at a price. Yep, we agree on this. I think uh, both Rombauer and Hot Ride Charlie look like underlays to me. I'm going to steer, throw those two out uh, and probably just put together some trifectas with the uh, essential quality, rock your world, known agenda mix. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, to me right now, just looking at it when the race is drawn and where everybody stands, no disrespect to Hot Rod Charlie, no disrespect to, you know, a horse like Rombauer. I could see both of them running well. Um, I think the three horses that you just laid out, those are the ones that I'm most interested in. And again, it comes down to price. If I think they're relatively tightly bunched as far as talent is concerned, why wouldn't I take the better price of the three? And I think that's going to be known agenda. Yeah. I'm just going to have to hope, and I don't think this will happen, that Mattress Max stays away. So our odds <laughs> might stay of decent value. Hey, Matt, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Anytime, guys. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. And do not forget, NBC's coverage of the Belmont Stakes begins at 5 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. I'm fired up for the Belmont Stakes, and we'll be yeah. talking about this. And by will, I mean I will be asking Drew how to <laughs> take my card because he's won a few more horse races than I have. We always finish the show with Edge of the Day. And last night, I'll just say, I felt very comfortable and confident in our picks and they all came home. So it always makes me feel better when we head into Edge of the Day on our podcast, knowing we got a dub last night. I will start with you here, Drew, something that is your favorite play on the slate tonight. Yeah, this one's going to be big because I have some big <laughs> positions on the series and this game means a lot. Whew. And of course, I'm talking about the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, a team that I think is still being a little slept on on their potential to win the Western Conference. And I know that, yes, they are dogs in a game five of a series that's tied 2-2. So, of course, they have a lot of work to do. Uh, I just think the, the the quality of their closing five, uh, as you know, as we get deeper and deeper into these series, the role players matter, matter less and less. It all becomes about, you know, who are the five guys you have on the floor at the end of the game? And uh, with the Dame CJ... Uh, Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, as long as, as knocking on wood here that Nurkic stays out of foul trouble, uh, as long as those five guys are on the floor to close this game, I think the Trailblazers get the win. I think the Trailblazers close this out in six at home, uh, and I think they move on uh, with a little bit of extra rest while the uh, Lakers and Suns go to war in this, in probably 
you know, seven games. So uh, I love this spot for Portland. I love their matchups at the guard position. Uh, I think they've done a really nice job defending um, Nikola Jokic. He was just all kinds of out of sorts in game number four with some of the defensive adjustments that Portland made. Uh, so Portland continues, carries this momentum into a uh, 4-2 series win. Uh, but tonight on the money line at plus 110 uh, is my favorite play on the card. I love that it's plus 110, plus money. I feel like my favorite plays, I'm always like itching to get them under minus 150. So, <laughs> yes, uh, I'll tell you on that one 100%. I'll take us to baseball, and I'm looking at a total yet again. I'm looking at the Chicago White Sox in Cleveland. I like the over here. I was a little confused this morning when I saw this tick down from 7.5 to 7, but now I'm seeing so much money come right back in on the over with me. I'm looking at Shane Bieber, and I think that's a really why the number came down. People saw Shane Bieber and thought one of the best pitchers, reigning Cy Young winner, take the under. But if you think about the Chicago White Sox lineup, I mean, the one thing they do, first they crush lefties and righties, but they just absolutely <laughs> nail the fastball. So that's going to be one, an issue for Shane Bieber. And he's done great against them this season. The first time it was a complete game shutout, but the second time they faced, he did give up a few runs. And I think because Chicago is going to have success both against all of his pitches, but mainly the fastball, the over stands out. Um, also, Abreu has just absolutely been dominant against Bieber. He has three homers against him in his career. And there's a few other guys in that White Sox I think will have success. But also, C's on the other side is getting too much credit. He has an ERA over five against the Indians. I know he had a good game against Baltimore in his last outing. Prior to that, he faced the Yankees. I watched this game. He gave up five runs and fairly quickly. I think that's what he's going to see tonight. So on both sides of the ball, I like runs to be scored. Last night, we talked it could be a slow start. All you need with a low total like this, which sounds crazy, in seven it's just one team to have a good inning and or, or both teams to have a good inning and then just load the bases, whatever, get a few hits. And this is seven is easy to go over. So for me, it's an auto play. I, I love the over. I think both Shane Bieber and Dylan C's get hit a little bit tonight, Drew. Let's get it. I love this. Okay. He's on with it. So that always kind of gives me good juju going into the rest of the day. In case you're not watching this live, of course, you can see our plays and everything on Twitter, on NBC Sports Edge, on uh, Drew Densick's Twitter, at whale underscore Kaffer. I'm at Sarah Perlman. If you are watching us live, head on over to NBCSportsEdge.com. You're going to have a ton of more information there to help you with whatever wagers maybe we didn't get to today. We'll be back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern right here on our new YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us live on our YouTube channel. We will see you tomorrow, and good luck with your wagers.